Hello and welcome to the 10th uh, Movie Night Extravaganza Takeover of This Is Revolution podcast. My name is Forrest Miller of Movie Night Extravaganza, the host. On July 6th, uh, 2021, Jay Andrew World and I launched the first episode of Movie Night Extravaganza. It was just supposed to be a fun side project that would allow us to watch some movies and talk about them. A year later, we're stronger than ever. We've done 10 This Is Revolution crossover episodes and 99 episodes of the main show. Tonight, we're going to be celebrating Movie Night Extravaganza's first birthday. I wish uh, Conan had the uh, the applause sound effect right now for me, but <laughs> the, the film we're going to discuss here is Stanley Kubrick's 1971 A Clockwork Orange, starring Malcolm McDowell as Alex DeLarge, a sadistic gang member in a crime-ridden fascist dystopia in England. Uh, who gets in prison for a murder and volunteers for a conducted version experiment called the Ludovico Technique to get out of it. Now, before I bring in my panelists for this evening, I would like to remind you all to like and subscribe both to This Is Revolution podcast and my channel, Movie Night Extravaganza, now one years old. Um, you can also support Movie Night Extravaganza on Patreon, where you get access to all kinds of amazing discussions and interviews. Links in the description. So without further ado, let's bring in the crew. Starting with Christina Oaks. I'm Christina on Twitch. And, uh, you know, our Ludovico technique um, <clears throat> experiment, you know, uh, uh, nurse today, you know. <laughs> I live for the applause. Yeah. And and there's plenty of it tonight. Uh, we are also bringing in Conan Neutron, host of Protonic Reversal, and the front man for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Videos, <laughs> Guys, the 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 uh, Cadova Milk Bar, we're hitting it up after this. You know what I mean? We're going uh, we're going hard on the on the on the. Is it Veldrin? I think is the. <laughs> I'm also uh, bringing in Jay Underworld. You know, cartoonist, illustrator, uh, comic book uh, aficionado, um, cover artist for multiple books. Good at doing that, you know. And of course, uh, the Ben Burgess associate. Ben Burgess is going to be on our after party at least for 15 minutes. Yeah, and I also want to thank Harvey JK for, for appearing in the introduction there, um, you know, getting beat up like that. So thank you, Harvey. <laughs> the professor. Damn. Yes. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, Jason Miles is here in the, uh, in, 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 in the backstage area. How's it going, buddy? Uh, I just, I just wanted to say some, some words real quick. Um, you know, we got to meet each other in real life. Uh, Conan yeah, Forrest is a lot taller than I thought he was going to be. And I got COVID. And I got COVID in the process. You did. And there's a picture of me kissing you on the head, and I stayed COVID-free. So I guess getting that uh, booster shot gave me a superpower or something, because everybody that I was hugged up with for two days uh, got the virus. That's me and my sister. There's some, we got. There's something in our DNA there has to be. We're just immune to like COVID at this point. I'm Sometimes. okay with that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the DNA. Uh, that's the DNA skill I'd like to have, or but, DNA, you know, mutation. <laughs> but but I wanted to say I wanted to say uh, when Jean Bajlan presented me this idea of helping you out, I think my first reaction was like, "What? We don't have anybody watching our channel," and then. Uh, I was like, sure, I don't care. And then we started doing the show. Um, surprisingly, for those that don't know, this show is also on the This Is Revolution audio channel as well, where it does very, very well. 
Um, there's a lot of shows you guys have had that, that people are big fans of. I'm, you know, I don't get to come on the show that much, but uh, one of my best friends in the whole wide planet, Conan Neutron, is part of the show. And just the fact that uh, I'm able to do something with him in some capacity um, <laughs> makes me a happy camper. Um, and uh, having movie night extravaganza as part of the This Is Revolution family is um, part of a bigger vision of things that I've had uh, for some time. So uh, one year, yeah. I think we started off like, let's see what happens after three months. <laughs> and, Five years and later, here we are. One year later, so yeah. And th- th- thanks, thanks so much. And it was, you know, I remember Gene coming to me and saying, like, "Hey, you guys should do this on This Is Revolution." And I was like, "I was like, really? Like, this that's a channel that's way bigger than than this one. You know, we can actually we can actually grow it to that capacity." He's like, "Yeah, I do have a list of things that I need to uh, that you should change if I'm going to allow you." To- <laughs> 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 I, I, I exactly with my list, by the way. It's a yeah. constant oh, growing yeah. experience, right? You know, it if is. anyone can attest to that, it's it's Conan who's been doing this podcast stuff before uh, it was cool. Um, podcast elder god. But uh, <laughs> I want everyone on the screen, I want to thank you guys for helping actually uh, grow This Is Revolution, adding a, a kind of a, a whole nother layer. Um, I definitely love everything pop culture. Um, as you know from the last video essay that was about uh, film, um, I, I, I do have a movie night on this is revolution that we do for patrons that, uh, I think I'm going to do where I watch a movie that I find so bad. It's good for me. It's like the black people, the room, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to, to do that. Um, and, and I, I, we'll still, say, uh, I, I still remember when we did uh, Judas and the black Messiah and we did that on, on, that was on Burgess uh, channel, right? Yeah. And yeah, and, uh, we did that in discord and, uh, and then. And then Ben's like, oh, we don't need to record the conversation. And I was like, no, I think you need to record. That was a great, me and Ben we did yeah. not agree. We, <laughs> me and Ben did not agree on Judas and the Black Messiah at all. Um, but uh, Andy has been a, a huge help in this revolution family for designing our literally most famous uh, piece of merchandise that I actually saw in real life at the show in New York, the Anglo Pessimism shirt. Yeah, I um, saw it too, and I sent it to Andy, and I was like, "Spotted in the wild" as a joke, and he's like, "Wait, it wasn't at the sublation launch." And I was like, "No, I meant like at the, <laughs> at the sublation launch." <laughs> so this, this is this for me. This thing is really fun. Um, I have no input whatsoever. This is all the the Forest uh, Andrew Conan show, and I get to watch it from the sidelines. And like I've I said, it does uh, a lot too. Yeah, oh, I just sit here and look pretty. I'm sorry. This used to be my job. This used to be your job. But I want to get out of your guys' way. I just wanted to say congratulations on one year on doing this. This is a revolution. Um, and I know you're trying to get the subscribers up to a thousand. How many are you short? I think we're at, we're at somewhere oh, near uh, five five. No, we're at like no, we're at like five sixty. I think now. 570 so yeah we have we have quite a ways to go but well let's let's share the hell of the show if everyone watching right now and i can see the number of everyone watching right now were to share this show then we could definitely at least get to 900 by the end of the night we so, could so everybody so share, share the, the show, show people yeah i'm going to be sharing the hell out of the show on the this is revolution social media and uh thank you forrest for 
approaching me. Thank you for helping us with This Is Revolution with the graphic that you created that I always play before every uh, clip. Um, and I should be helping a lot more soon. I was talking to Gene about uh, I'm going to start working for Sublation, I think, in a couple weeks and be helping out with clips and stuff. So, Well, th well that's Doug, and Doug is not us. So remember that we are not. Uh, well, no, I know, but he, I don't know. Gene yeah. said that Gene no, said that some of that was going to be helping out with uh, this. Yeah, no, it's all it's all one big lefty. <laughs> It's all one big lefty family, and if we're not yeah. helping each other, then what are we really doing? Exactly, a hundred percent. I think it's great. I think these uh, monthly nights are wonderful. They have a different vibe, and I appreciate that. Uh, it's a different kind of experience. And honestly, as I just noticed, we burned through ten minutes. Keeping it to an hour is a, is is kind of a challenge, especially when it's more than two two or three people. But uh, you know, <laughs> it's a challenge. I think we've come up with some good episodes and. Uh, Jason, I've known you a very long time. I really appreciate that that you do it. And the whole this is Revolution Expanded Universe is something to celebrate. Well, on that note, I'm going to leave and go get cheap Mexican food here in Mexico. Uh, have fun talking <laughs> yeah. about an insane film, you guys. Um, and yeah, come on and come on the, the the main show sometime soon. I love uh, you. Well, I was excited about the stalker thing because I just watched the thing about stalker. So I was kind of stoked you guys were covering that. I was assuming that was either an Andrew or Conan idea. It's me. It's me. <laughs> 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 Very easy to might expect come from me, but it, it is a group effort. It was really nice having like Ian Miller from Kowloon and Lauren on uh, though for that. That's like, it, it's, I like when you get good combinations of people that you wouldn't necessarily expect to be together. Uh, and and I and I have to and I have to say again the combination of, of voices that we get to have on this because of this expanded universe that we've created in this left media sphere added with Conan in the in the music uh, uh, sphere as well it's it's a really really cool group of people that get to talk about some interesting film um, that don't get enough uh, discussion so thank you guys for all that you do. <laughs> Keep it entertaining. And as we say on This Is Revolution, I am out. I think it's tell right. about Moon Ladies Entertainment. Conan Entertainment. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw on the uh the old trailer. I'm glad that we got to introduce it before putting on the trailer. That probably is a way to do it in the future. Uh but I am very resistant to it. So uh <laughs> so there you go. I yeah, we, we can talk about that after. <laughs> There was me, that is Alex, and my three droogs, that is Pete, Georgie, and Dim. And we sat in the Corova milk bar trying to make up our Razudox what to do with the evening. The Corova milk bar sold milk plus, which is what we were drinking. This would sharpen you up and make you ready for a bit of the old ultraviolence. <laughs> the evening's the great time, isn't it, Alex Byrne? <laughs> He's enterprising, aggressive, young, bold, vicious. He'll do. Who on earth could that be? Now it was lovely music that came to my aid. A bit of the old Ludwig van. 
little brother very well. It'll be your own torture. I hope to God it'll torture you to madness. Gorgeousness and gorgeousity made flesh. It's a pretty good trailer, I'd say. Very well, very well. Mm-hmm. You- I love the line. Uh, I love the line. It was gorgeousness and gorgeousness made flesh. That's like always been one of my favorite lines from from the movie. There's almost something Shakespearean, right, about the dialogue in this. Um, Absolutely, yes. Which comes from the book, actually. Um, yeah. The, the book is actually written in that kind of uh, fake language. So uh, and actually, awesome. I found it, I, it, I found it very hard to um, listen to the audio book of, uh, of the book because, like, you have to keep track of – because there's way more of, the, of that dialect, right? And, um, and we'll talk about this because I, I have a clip on how the screenplay was written, and it's kind of written on the fly, which is kind of an interesting way for Kubrick to do it, which is not usually how he did things. He liked to write his own screenplays, but in this case, I think he um, he asked Anthony Burgess, not related to Ben Burgess, spelled differently, uh, <laughs> to write a script based on the book that he'd written and um, didn't like the screenplay that he wrote about it. So he ended up doing his own version of like an on-the-fly screenplay, which hadn't been, uh, hadn't been done before. Um, but yeah, it's, well, hard, I, it's hard to like listen to it. It's hard to listen to it and keep the words like, you know, keep the lingo down. <laughs> I'm trying to think about it. I think there's it's one of the only films I can think of that actually comes with a glossary. Train spotting is another one, but uh, like uh, Lock, you, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Was that a book? I love, that. I love that movie. Um, well, the, for the Cockney slang, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, I was, I was talking about the book, but we already moved off to another topic, but like in, okay. in the book, that's something that really kind of struck me is like, oh, this, there's a glossary. Like, and then like you start reading you're like, oh, okay. And it's notable in the movie as well. But I think in the movie, because you hear the speech patterns, it's easier to kind of get the gist of what's going on. Just like they say, it's easier to learn a language by hearing it spoken aloud rather than like reading from a book or, or something along those lines. But it is on, on rewatch recently. I did notice the sort of like Shakespearean esque uh, stuff big time. Like, like probably more so than, than normal. And it's uh, it's notable because there's a lot of like pomposity that goes along with like this mundane vulgarity. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm, I'm trying to find the, uh, the, the line he says, but Dim says it when they're in the Cordova milk bar the second time and he hits him and he's like, yeah. uh, he's like, he's like, um, and I'm not your brother and wouldn't want to be. And like the way he says something, something, and another time that, that uh, Alex says, like uh, when when he's when he's challenging Billy Boy and all, all those guys, he's like, uh, "You eunuch thou!" Like the the phrasing of uh, "you eunuch jelly thou" or something, and the phrasing of the way that those words are like the, the phrasing is is almost Shakespearean, right? Like it's like the old the old English style of like backward speak or Pig Latin, but it gives it a. It, it, a sense of being both grounded in very much grounded in reality, but then also having like that science fiction element where it's not immediately clear when this takes place. Right. It's meant to be like sometime like in the not so distant future, uh, which is interesting. Cause like when he, cause he wrote this, uh, Burgess wrote in 
early 60s, I think, is when, is when he wrote the book, if I remember correctly. Or is it, that or sounds it, about right. I think it's early 60s. We got our top fact check. takes place in uh, Ron DeSantis' Florida panhandle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the original cut was almost like four hours long. I mean that's not that's not surprising. I yeah, um, it's not it was it was another one of those very grueling uh, like Kubrick shoots, right? Like where um, he like literally tortured the actors throughout the entire shooting process, and then this one like by tortured it means like physically tortured the actors, like allowed uh, Malcolm McDowell to actually get like the shit beat out of him on multiple occasions and have his you know. eyes wide open but like they had a real doctor and sure like doing the i guess the, a real doctor was the one doing the scene with him just to make sure his eyes wouldn't get all dried out he scratched his cornea actually he uh he moved around too much and actually the, the cornea scratched right here and like so one of those shrieks uh is an actual real like <laughs> man before they had real regulations huh <laughs> well i mean kubrick the way he shot was also he he took it out of wanted sorry he made the actors come to him, right? So the, the regulations that might have taken place, like that might have happened in like Hollywood or something, didn't happen because he's like, hey, why don't you come to England and actually hang out with me like 10 miles from my house and we're not going to, you know, get uh, the old film unions involved in this. I, I don't think he was battling with the film unions like uh, to the extent that someone like Francis Ford Coppola was, but like, you know. From <laughs> <laughs> your classic episode of the conversation uh, about that one. Mm -hmm. And all unused footage was destroyed. But yeah, no, like I mean, a, a perfect yeah. uh, a perfect example of the Shakespearean language, right? Um, oh, bliss, bliss in heaven. It was gorgeousness and gorgeousness made flesh. It was like a bird of rare spun heaven metal or like silvery wine flowing in a spaceship. Gravity all nonsense now. As I slushied, I knew such lovely pictures. And that's his description of, you know, listening to old Ludwig Vaughn uh, <laughs> singing the or whatever, playing the ninth. I almost said singing the ninth. <laughs> well, that, that one lady. Yeah. If you, uh, if you're going to be more specific, yes. <laughs> I like, I like, uh, I like Slushied as, uh, as his version of, uh, you know, as he listened, as he like heard the sounds. Yeah. Like, cause video makes sense, right? Like it's to watch a video or like to, you know, to, to see something, but like Slushied doesn't really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of them, if you really look at it, like, oh, okay. I see where he's coming from. The, the Mushka for, for, you know, like, like that's kind of the root word for the old lady. Um, yeah, uh, I can't. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but yeah, no, it's wild. Um, <clears throat> I also well, love the Drug, fact that Drug is friend in uh, in Russian, and and I knew that before I ever watched this because uh, there's that rapper, your old Drug. Um. <laughs> I, I just know old Drugy bastard. <laughs> um, but but uh, yeah, there is actually a lot of Russian in the uh, in the slang. If I um. I remember it, reading it's, it. uh, it's Cockney slang, Russian slang, Polish slang, I think, and um, Romanian. Like, uh, yeah, and and they also use like old gypsy words too. Like, it's a it's a weird combination of um, all these different kind of Eastern European, which kind of gives the impression that the Cold War is kind of over and uh, the fascists have kind of won, and they've incorporated um, like the. Because they never really like it's almost like a 1984 situation. It seems like right, like you never see anything outside of the the English society. So you can kind of assume that maybe like the Cold War is over, and uh, they've incorporated all of this into like a, a yeah. Some there's kind like of a European Union that they're all a part of. Trying to Brexit from you know <laughs> neoliberalisms. Uh, this this <laughs> they they've they've moved past liberalism to maybe some kind of neoliberalism. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> And everybody's fascist now. Um, I think this this is one of the most um, 
accurate fascist like societies um put on film right like i i think that there's a lot of different parts to it number one obviously like the easy cleanup of uh you know, realizing that, oh, well, we can't really keep, um, you know, making the jails full of common criminals because we need this jail space for political prisoners. And we're going to have so many of them that, like, we need to figure out a quick fix. So, like, Ludovico technique becomes like a um, a way to kind of just reprogram your brain rather than actually, like, doing anything to, uh, you know, change the uh, intrinsic or, like, material basis for why people are criminals. They're just like, well, why, why don't we just kind of erase the brain itself and, you know, get people back on the streets because... We, we need this space for, uh, you know, dissidents. Well, it addresses the letter of the problem, not the uh, intent of the problem. And that's what, one of the things that's so casually horrifying and why the social commentary on this still works, because that kind of thing still still happens, you know, maybe not on that comical of a level. But the idea of addressing an issue, but uh, doing so in such a way that, you know, s- satisfies the baseline criteria, but also helps your political goals still happens to this day all the time. You know, and it's it's a... Uh, it's frightening too that think about language, right? The actions don't matter as long as the language isn't vulgar. You know, like how many people were against Trump because he was a quote unquote vulgarian, right? Like as opposed to the intent of it being, no, this is the culmination of like 20 to 30 plus years of, uh, you know, pseudo fascistic, fascistic um, philosophy, but done so by someone that barely understands what the term even means and just like walked into a suit that was made for him by like decades of frame language it's the same kind of deal right like what is alex at the end of it he's they're putting him into politics <laughs> you know like yeah. it's one of the most frightening indians of, of of all the terrifying things about clockwork orange it's one of the most terrifying indians that like at the end of it, it's like oh no he's got a, he's got a future this young man's got a future and that's you know the worst thing ever because he hasn't changed at all in any way shape or form it's very it's made explicitly clear i think it's all the more powerful because of that and and they've tried to re it seems like they've tried to re um program his brain back to normal and back to normal is kind of horrifying because he was a you know kind of one of the most uh delinquent and um menacing uh, characters in this whole movie so like to like program his brain so that he's uh first the yeah i mean to be explicitly clear like one of like the almost dictionary definition I, I do I, I forgot that this line is in it, but um I love at the end when they're having him look at all the, the pictures or whatever and he says, uh, no time for the old in and out love. I've just come to read the meter. <laughs> That's like my all time favorite line right there from the movie. <laughs> there, are, there are more than a few incredibly darkly comic lines in this. Uh, like the whole the whole thing with the uh, the guys at the head of the prison, like almost everything he says is, is hilarious and like sometimes it's like with emotion or something, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like a Monty Python sketch. Like, like right. you know, you could see John Cleese, you know, dressed up as like a Nazi in the yeah. prison, like like as a guard, um, doing some kind of weird uh, Python-esque sketch with, yep. like, you know, everybody's, you know, uh, standing around just watching him, not knowing what to say because <laughs> he's well, and those scenes are just a delivery system to see that like well, Alex has like turned these like homicidal and like dark tendencies of his of, of, towards like oh no it's okay if it's the Bible right like and yeah he, he says the right words and he like has zeal in the right places you know stands up when everyone else sings the hymns etc cetera, etc cetera. and then now it's like oh no that's acceptable now and so I love I love that he sees himself in the uh, the Roman guard that's uh, yeah. beating the fuck out of, <laughs> out of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it's dark 
pretty funny if you, if you yeah engage in that. I mean, it's also like you know, let, let's just, I, I guess let's address it twenty five minutes in. Casual rape, right? You know, not cool at all. But it's it's it is meant to be absolutely horrifying, and it is. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so one scene was supposed to go on for like a long 20 28 minute like take like one shot take and i'm like Ey. it's like a snuff yeah i mean i think it's better that they don't show it I, I think that it works a lot better um that they kind of after he says video well video well it fades out and then they're in the Kadova milk bar like later on in the in the movie i think that, that would work way better than kind of a horrifying uh you know rape scene Although I mean, what they keep yeah, this film hard. hasn't been like hard to swallow to watch. Yeah. Well, they said they had to redefine "Singing in the Rain" to be something terrible, you know. Which, which was, if I remember, <laughs> I think that was a an improv. Like that wasn't in the script. I think that was a Malcolm McDowell. Just yeah. Like, so Kubrick asked him, "Do you know any songs?" And he's like, "I know one song, and it's Singing in the Rain.'" <laughs> yeah, Gene Kelly, Malcolm McDowell said one time he ran into Gene Kelly at a party, and he just walked away in disgust because he was just so bitter about how his song was used. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, that's that's checked out. Yeah. I mean, Which uh, Malcolm McDowell was cast in this movie because he did a movie in 68 called If, where he played another juvenile delinquent, uh, where, where, I mean, he also looked like a uh, Spider-Man classmate in, in the Sam Raimi uh, Spider-Man film. Because, um, <laughs> uh, I mean, he's pushing 30 in this movie. Uh, you know, in 68, he was still in his mid-20s where, you know, he, he could be a senior. I don't know. <laughs> he could be a yeah. senior in Sam Raimi's verse. <laughs> Yeah, the only, way, the only way that they could make him a senior is that they could put him into the same high school as Toby Maguire. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I love all phrases of those movies. It's like these, these folks are in high school, y'all. Come on now. Like, <laughs> it would be funny if old Malcolm McDowell walked out and was like, "Hey, kids, that was a crazy, that was a crazy and, math class that we had." <laughs> hey there, fellow kids. <laughs> and what's interesting about Malcolm McDowell is that he's always his every character he's ever played since Cockroach Orange is a re, almost has a slight reference to the movie. I mean, in the in the film Easy A, starring Emma Stone, where he played the principal, they're like they kept saying his principal was a fascist, was like was like 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 from Clockwork Orange, and I'm like, huh. I think that uh, the sort of hoodlum to cop timeline like is, is like kind of amazing in this as well like the fact that like his gang ends up being um you know <laughs> cops yeah, this, is, this is right around yeah. the same time uh what's his name um uh wrote the um the uh the people's history of the united states of america said that uh um cops are uh recruited from the criminal class yeah, well, I mean, and and it shows that in a fascist society, right? Like, uh, the the criminal element um, is always kind of recruited into the power structure itself. And I mean, you see that in societies like Brazil, you see that across Latin America, you see that in um, you know in Europe. Whenever Europe's uh, devolved into fascism, like there's always a, a paramilitary arm that they kind of recruit from, like the and I mean, you see it in Ukraine right now with with uh, the Azov Battalion. But like, there's always a, a far-right element like a far-right fascist element taken out of you know the most uh you know devious and criminal element in that society used um for like parastate violence and then they're eventually brought into the actual apparatus of the government and in this um you're you're brought you like i i think that this is kind of an, an awesome way to to show that without like you know without being too heavy-handed about it 
because I love the line that uh, that Georgie says, and he's like, "Your old pals." He's like, "We're the police," and he looks down at him. <laughs> or no, he says, um, "He says uh, a a good job for two men that are now of job age, the police." And then you yeah. see um, Alex's face, yes. and he's absolutely horrified by the realization that like now his two uh, former gang members that absolutely hate him are you know the cops that are about to like uh, waterboard him. <laughs> well, I mean, we're in a position of you're, you're kind of. I can't hear you, Conan. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, I raised your volume, Conan, but yeah. <laughs> it puts you in a position. Yeah, where, oh, there uh, we go. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know what's that. I don't, I don't, I don't maybe know. Maybe one of us can throw our voice while his mouth moves. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, take Conan's audio and go. I'm singing in the rain. <laughs> singing in the rain. <laughs> Look, it's well, not me. I have a cup of water. Someone, someone made a comment. Uh, Jay Hutch talks to much made a comment about like how inappropriate and pervy singing in the rain is, and I'm thinking to myself, well, he's kind of singing because he's like he's falling in love with this really, really, really young ingenue. So, <laughs> and he's like what in his 40s, I think. Gene Kelly was like what almost 50 when this film came out. I don't know, but like, yeah. And Debbie Reynolds was like 20. Yeah, something I mean, like that's, that. Uh, that's this old this old Hollywood for you. Yeah. Ooh. So one of the things I love about this film is obviously how much it's referenced in our pop culture and our society. One there were if if Annie, you've watched Legion, right? Of course. You remember the multiverse episode with all the different lives that David lived in? Yeah, yeah. You know the home you know the homeless one, this the very like old looking, messy schizophrenic version of him that's like there's a scene in the alleyway. That is a lot exactly like that one scene from the film. I don't know if you remember Eek the Cat, um, but there was a season of Eek the Cat where they threw in one scene from A Clockwork Orange in every episode that season. Which <laughs> It also feels kind of, I mean, there's that scene in uh, American Psycho when we talked about that recently, right? Where he kind of tortures the homeless guy and then kills his dog. It yep. feels like that scene kind of uh, is reminiscent of the scene where he um, you know, tortures the homeless guy in this. I mean, obviously, in that in that case, it's uh, you know, it's not him and his boys; it's just him. But I, I feel like brutality towards the homeless is always kind of a um, is is like a, a well torn or well trotted um, uh, uh, trope. I think when you're trying to show how it's like psychotic, a lot of these like you know, uh, cruelty towards the most vulnerable in our society. And you know, I think the speech that the homeless guy gives in this, where um, you know, he's he's talking to them about uh. Um, you know, I, I think that cruelty towards the homeless, cruelty towards the most vulnerable is, is a hallmark of fascism, right? Like that's, uh, within a fascist society, like that is, um, something absolutely like dystopic and, and widespread that happens. But I, and I find you also it, get that in like good liberal neighborhoods because they don't want to see homeless around, you know, <laughs> they have like just, just appalling treatment of, of, uh, homeless, you know? Yeah. Um, but he says uh, it's a sticky world because there's no law and order anymore. It's a sticky world because it lets the young get onto the old like you done. And I, I you know, I, I think that it's interesting that even the even the homeless man in this you know society is calling for the same kind of law and order um, that like the conservatives are offering, right? Like because their big uh, claims of power in this is that you know they're the party of law and order, and of course that's completely reminiscent of uh, you know the Nixonian era Republican Party or Reagan's party or you know, um, Margaret Thatcher coming to power, like all of those things, uh, law and order is always a central component of, of that promise. 
Yay, fascism. So, so how do you sound, Conan? I don't know. How you sound great? Great. You sound great. Right. Um, but uh, restreams. I I hate this app. Restreams terrible, by the way. But it was brought to you by Restream. But it's, it's uh, the only thing I ever had problems with. We're we're <laughs> we're streamyard people on this end. <laughs> I mean, like, look, if I have a any affiliation, I'll go with the one that works, where I have the same setup and it works fine. And then like I go over here and it's something different. But anyway, yeah, I mean, like, it, it's I, you know, I know you're talking about Thatcher's Britain and whatnot. Um, and I think that that's it's interesting that we've had like a few go rounds with like Clockwork Orange style stuff, right? I mean, that's amazing. Uh, that it, it keeps coming around and being relevant. <laughs> you know, that's, that says more about our society than, than the movie, but it says a lot about the movie as well. So, I don't know. It feels, so, I mean, it feels... I, I, had, I had a couple of good points, but I'll never get to them now, so whatever. No, just <laughs> no, no, go ahead. It's fine. I, I mean, I just think it's it, it's a deft move that, uh, you know, Alex is like a reprehensible sociopath, and there are multiple times in the movie that you find yourself being like, oh, man, I hope he gets away. And you're like, wait a minute, what am I talking about? Right. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like Breaking Bad or something that way. Well, Conan, the, as we all know, Alex is supposed to have like a Cockney accent, but Malcolm McDowell wanted to do his like Northern English one because he yeah. felt like maybe people would be more sympathetic and he would be like less like more approachable as a character. So so that's why <laughs> we're like, oh, root for him, and then we're like, which class? Oh, fuck no! What are we yeah. doing? <laughs> It's our own. Yeah. It's our own. Uh, it's our own classism towards cockney British people. Yes. Wow! And I mean, like, look at like how Star Wars, like all the the all the Empire, they all were like English actors, right? And like that was, you know, that's something well, that mostly because it was filmed in England. But you know, but, yes, <laughs> but it was also was an aesthetic choice. Like it was, you know, yeah. it's it's uh, it's a thing. What it's a cultural bias. A British accent. <laughs> based on uh based on colonialism and like damn, the, you know, uh, what used to be the British sleeves. Empire. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why um, like if you watch Cockney versus zombies, you're sharing for the zombies. <laughs> so I, I have a clip of uh that I found of it's actually rare that he gives an interview at this time about it, but it is a clip of uh Malcolm McDowell talking about uh working with Stanley Kubrick and uh He's kind of a dick about it in this, which I, I like because I think Stanley Kubrick deserves it. But uh <laughs> Agreed. Gone. No, I want this as the picture in picture. Uncut gems, whoa. <laughs> Love that movie. Hey Christina. Hey Andy. Hey me. Yes, you just told me that Kubrick is living with all these machines, Telex, uh, ping pong table, and... Yeah. Well, he's the most disorganized, organized man I've ever met. Because he has so many filing systems, he cannot remember where anything is. They're all marvelous systems on their own, but he has maybe four or five or six, and he can't remember where anything is, you know. I remember asking him for some photographs of a location. I wanted to look at them and see couldn't find them. Took him two weeks to find them. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> but he's a very, he's an extraordinary man. I, I think the extraordinary thing about these great directors is that they are able to create an atmosphere where you can create, and this is very important. You see, there's this myth going around that Stanley is in complete control, which is not true because Stanley never knows where to put the camera and never knows 
he barely knows what scene we're shooting and he he comes in with no preparation but that's because that's because he's an artist you see and any director who knows what he's going to do well, a very poor director because he must use the elements that happen the spontaneity that happens on the set and he's able to do that and I mean oh, some of the scenes the actors wrote themselves in Clockwork Orange the whole of the end scene with the mouth opening up and taking the food at the end of the film it was completely just done on the spur of the moment uh, the singing in the rain sequence was um, something that came into my own head and I started to sing it I, I was kicking you know this uh, the stunt man and slapping the, the woman and started to sing singing in the rain you know something that just happens that's very strange because when you see the picture you have the idea that everything is prepared and mm. oh well he's clever too I mean uh, it's very clever Stanley you know uh, <clears throat> it's absolutely true that um, he couldn't really uh, he couldn't work uh, by knowing exactly what was going to happen he he much prefers if he likes an actor and there's not many actors he trusts very few very very few if he trusts you then he'll go with you and you can do practically anything for him and it's a very he's marvelous to work for me he was marvelous some of the other actors not quite so good but then I work with him I mean just shooting every day for seven months seven months long time Is that actually Henry Kissinger, or is that just a dude that sounds like Henry Kissinger? No, it's just a dude that sounds like Henry Kissinger. Because <laughs> I'm going to say, that'd be quite the post-cabinet. Uh, um, uh, yeah, is, uh, is there like a support group for actors who work for Stanley Kubrick at all? Like, <laughs> No, because uh, if, if there was, then uh, maybe Tom Cruise would have gotten some help. <laughs> <laughs> that marriage wouldn't have like fallen apart. A, I just feel like it, it's 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 a it's a it's necessary. that marriage was already falling apart. Sorry, not to be <laughs> yeah. I can't blame that one on Kubrick. Look, I, I like that after torturing them for as long as he did, though he dropped dead for it four days later. He finished the he yeah. finished editing the movie, and then he was just dead in like four days. Have, you, have you read the conspiracy websites about that and like the the cut six minutes of footage and like. Uh, ooh. It's, it's basically implied that you know he got a little bit too close to the truth with the uh, the the um, sex party. No, yeah. no, that it, that there was you know the the real people run the world, people. Out, real Alex Jones stuff. <laughs> oh, that sex cult stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like that, you know. Oh, the, well, the timing's awful. Coincidentally, he's an old fucking guy. It wasn't that coincidental? So I, I mean, I've told, I've told, I've told this story before, but when I was in Austin last year, I met some guy uh, that my like girlfriend at the time knew, like had stayed on his, he did like some couch surfing thing. And uh, he was telling us the story. This was like three days after I finished watching for a stream that I was doing with, uh, with Ben and, and Andy and, and um, like about, uh, about that movie, Eyes Wide Shut. And this guy told me in Austin after I watched it, that he had gone to Bohemian Grove and his uh his cousin was a like a jazz musician like a famous one who had passed away and he said his cousin was hired to play a, a con like a whatever like play one night at bohemian grove and he said that he had met malcolm mcdowell sitting at the bar in bohemian grove 
um and had like asked him like uh you know like asked him questions about Clark Garnage and Malcolm McDowell got like all mad at him and like walked off in a huff or something because he didn't want to talk about it but uh <laughs> good hey, link between they, those two movies there needs to be a support group I see I'm on to something <laughs> there you go I mean look at poor Shelly Duvall I mean you know um yeah yeah well, that, that well that's the the big example right I mean like practically put her in the I wonder how he treated the actors who played Lolita. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't yeah, no one talks that. about Lolita, right? This is because it's Kubrick's worst movie. Yeah, it's because not great. obviously it's you can't really get away with the source material in 1962. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> I remember just being—I remember being way more bored than I thought it would be, and being like, "Man, I feel like this movie should be more interesting." Yeah, <laughs> it's the not, subject. It's it's, it's um, just just watch 2001 again. You'll save. At least, at least we got an interesting film out of this. Yeah, I mean, look, I think there's something to be said to the fact that like this this movie is meant to horrify, and it was one of the most horrifying non horror movies I think I've ever seen, and it still shocks to this day. And it and, and like, can we talk about the like the style and design? Because it's been it's been homaged or ripped off by so many people, like David Bowie and Lady Gaga. I mean, The Simpsons, right? I mean, there's like it's 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 a culturally ubiquitous and like uh, I forget the woman's name, but uh, it's it's an iconic thing that it's also different than how it was even described in the book. Like she kind of just went off on her own. And I and, even um, Conan, yeah. I mentioned the one episode of Legion. Uh, uh, yes, where yes. David has the mul- the multiverse episode that that scene in the yeah. alleyway with homeless David. Yeah, like that was yep, heavily, yep. and also too like a lot of things about even the name of like the the mental clockworks. Obviously, probably was an, a reference to Clockwork Orange. Like, there's so many references in uh, Legion from like that film. Obviously, and by the way, they, if you're playing the movie next extravaganza game, you have to take a drink because we mentioned Legion. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, this is incredibly referenced. I, I like the modernist elements to it too, like the the actual architecture of like the houses yeah. that they're in, inside of, and their actual like. I mean, well, number one, like I mean, obviously they're they're kind of strange costumes in the beginning of it, but like throughout the movie, right? Like they they have all these interesting things, and like they capture that like artist ethos, that modernist kind of yeah. uh, thing. I mean, especially with like you know the the, the sculptures of penises and like everything is kind of drawn with like <laughs> excessive really- sexuality. There's really just the one, but it seems like there's multiple ones because it looms so large. <laughs> there's there's more than one in her house, I thought, but uh, yeah, I, I like I like when he when he hits the tip though. She's like, don't touch that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I- well, and, and there's something to be said to the fact that, you know, the places that are he's committing these assaults and robberies are all like, you know, obviously rich folks houses uh, for the most part, whereas everything else kind of looks thrashed. Like if you like, like look like him on the walking back to his mom and dad's place, which ain't no great shakes, right? Everything is trashed and looks horrible. And it's it's so fascinating that how that's depicted, <laughs> how that's depicted in the film uh, you know, versus, you know, how much different is that than reality? That, like, you know, the men, usually young men who come from an impoverished background, like, they grow up and they end up feeling nihilistic because they're, like, not given hope. And there's a larger conversation to have there. But I just like how it's depicted in the movie where, like, only the rich people seem to have any place, like, remotely decent. I mean, who knows if Alex keeps the snake in a drawer for logistical purposes or just because he likes it. But it's like, yes, put the snake in a drawer, people. Yeah, well, and and I also like the fact that I mean the excess sexuality of everything, um, like 
when when you actually go to Alex's house, right? Like he's drawn like yeah. the dicks and like the the things onto the Roman uh, or like the Greek uh, things inside of his house, and like everything is is kind of decorated with like uh, I, I think one of the things is like uh, why don't you eat me or something? Like there's all these like sexualized uh, you know graffiti all over the the things yeah. in the apartment building. <laughs> I and then, about but, that, then, yeah. <laughs> but then you go to the to the woman's house who's living on like the health farm and the the art is actually very similar it's overly sexualized it's stylized yeah. so like you realize that both in these in the context of like this new age weird like health farm and in Alex's actual house this entire society is over sexualized yeah without actually being explicitly you know sexy necessarily like it, it, which is which is something that also is very indicative of like fascistic uh, societies right you have you have the yeah. um, the, the the urges that you can then put towards more useful things yeah that's what the joy division's for yeah exactly the actual joy division too, like the style of the film as well is definitely heavily influenced like a yeah. lot of directing style at least well, I, I mean, like, like the thing is, is, is one of the things and you kind of do it yourself, Christina, with, with your background is the, uh, you know, kind of forced perspective where you have like the lines of the room leading you to the center. Um, you know, so so no matter how what horrific things Kubrick's putting in front of you, because of like, like everything's pointing to the middle of the frame and and, you know, you can't take your eyes off of it, um, you know, just like those lines going right to Christina's head. <laughs> And also there's almost like a cartoonish element to a lot of it that makes the violence um, a lot less horrifying than it could be. I think otherwise, I mean, you know, of course the murder itself, when he, when he kills the woman, it, it uh, all of a sudden you see like the, the screen fill up with like all these like interesting patterns and stuff. And it's almost like oh, yeah. seeing like the pow boom, like when, when Batman hits somebody or something like, or something like that, right? Like you're not, you're, you're transferred out of the horrificness of the violence the same way kind of when when you see the rape scene or whatever and it transitions out of it and it's just you know the fact that we're in the masks and like the the over stylized nature of everything makes it so that you're not hit by the violence in the same kind of horrific way that you could be i mean it's still terrifying but like it's not yeah. the, you're not hit with the full force of it and also like clockwork orange was it came at a time where films like bonnie and clyde and like other films that really showed violence in films was becoming more the norm like this was the this was where cinema was was going at like there's tons and tons of essays like on like how certain films didn't really make it post the sexual revolution because people wanted the nitty-gritty they didn't want like they didn't want they did not want hello dolly they wanted cabaret like they wanted Right. something that had like you know a little filthiness well, to it and did you uh, there's a documentary called a forbidden orange that is uh pretty fascinating uh, actually it's narrated by uh, malcolm mcdowell uh and they talk about talks about basically how franco's government in spain banned it just banned it and uh you know it, there was they kept trying to these people kept trying to get it shown and uh kept trying to uh like just just have a movie like have an audience right and then it eventually premieres uncensored at a very long-running religious fest festival which is kind of amazing and one of like the most conservative yeah. cities in spain uh so it's called a forbidden orange it's actually really really interesting uh documentary just because of that but culturally i mean it also they had like knockoff movies, like there's like a Giallo movie that, uh, or Giallo-ish movie that is 
kind of like sort of meant to be like an unauthorized sequel, but also just kind of rips it off as well. Um, and it's just kind of weird and sort of like I would I would say it's like it's like Italian Spider-Man sort of thing without being like Italian Spider-Man. Right. <laughs> uh, but that, it's called and they, they so it was originally called a Clockwork Terror. And right. I just want to point out that that, that and it's it called a mur- murder in a blue. I brought world. it up. Not telling Spider Man, not me. <laughs> You're right. I, did. I totally did. But it's called Murder in a Blue World. Is, is the alternative? But yeah, Clockwork Terror is what's called. And it's a, it's called a Forbidden Orange is the name of that documentary. Really interesting because because the thing got to remember is like you know the, the, this depiction of like casual fascism, right? Franco's government, right? A fascist dictatorship. <laughs> So it's yeah. like you don't want what to have clockwork orange shown. <laughs> so I think the viewers of of the show and the this is revolution crowd uh, should would would find some value in that. I know I did. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. So so the last thing I want to talk about before we uh you know go over to our our, our channel uh for the after party, which you know I don't know if we're gonna get too much time to talk about uh you know anything over there, but um I, I want to talk about the Ludovico technique. Um, if anyone has any thoughts yeah. about that and uh. You know, just just the the concept that I think aversion therapy is is kind of interesting because mm-hmm. I mean it's still kind of used today. Um, there's various yeah, medications. Banned. Yeah. Like, well, there's various like, medications that people take, um, especially when they have like addiction or something. That instead of like uh, actually going against the the actual root causes of addiction, um, you know, th- this happens every few years. They start promoting a new one. It like makes you sick when you drink, or it makes you sick when you use cocaine or heroin or something, right? Like it, like, or when you're watching porn. <laughs> is there that? I didn't. Uh... Or when you're watching porn, like some, like that's what a lot of the those like conversion like LGBTQ camps do. They try to make it unpleasant to watch. That's conversion therapy. I'm talking about adversion ed- therapy. Oh, it's I thought a, you said uh, aversion. No, <laughs> therapy is it's just any therapy that makes you sick when you do something um, that's like a compulsion. And you know, so that's the Ludovico technique in this is is a form of aversion therapy where um, you know your your brain is actually wired instead of like making you uh, instead of looking at like emotional or physical causes or mental causes of violence, like it, it's um, literally just forcing you to become sick whenever you see it. And we don't talk yep. about a virgin tech uh, treatment. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. People do, people are not talking about that more and more. No. People are talking about that less and less. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's horrible, but it's like actual virgin therapy is, is a real thing. And again, the idea I said I said earlier, I'm going to stand by my assessment that it's addressing the uh, letter of the problem without addressing the intent, right? And, and that and that and that's what's so fascinating about using the street thug as like foot soldier kind of thing as in under the guise of rehabilitation uh and we can fix you yeah terrifying right uh and unless you're the guy from dilbert in which case he's just murdered your child <laughs> that, that was the thing I, I thought today i'm like yeah no i i oh responded to that God. i responded to that with uh, the walter white thing where he's like i watched jane die <laughs> <laughs> like, i mean who what a, what a world we live in that like, even a congresswoman was saying that i'm like lady shut up yeah there was a congresswoman that came out today i don't know why this is on the same day this congresswoman said today that uh she's against gun control because she uh she wants to protect her five grandchildren even if she has to kill them Say less. She's my zombie. Apocalypse. You know, just say, just you don't have to say anything. You don't. You don't exactly. have to. He's my it's new zombie partner. 
Like, you know, even if her grandchild turns, she will kill her grandchild. She'll be like, look at the look at the pretty flowers. Look at the pretty flowers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's wow. Carol. Um, yeah, but like, uh, yeah, wow. I, I just think it, it definitely. Um, so the line, the line that he, that the minister of the interior says, uh, cram yeah. criminals together, and what do you get? Concentrated criminality, crime in the midst of punishment. Um, not a chance, fellow. This government. Oh, he says the, the guy says something about funding more funding like hey well why don't we just get more funding he's like not a chance the government can't be concerned any longer with outmoded penological theories soon we'll be needing all our prison space for political offenders common criminals like this are best dealt with on a curative basis kill the criminal reflex that's all um yeah exactly you don't have to change the underlying things that make them a you know a sociopath that's fine that's useful that's useful for them right that's a good little soldier if you, if you uh get him pointed in the right direction yeah. Slap a Bible in their hand in one hand and slap a gun in the other. Let's go. Give them a give them a badge. Give them a badge and a gun, you know, like uh worked out great for Dim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> our, you know, the old the old Kyle Rittenhouse kind of uh thing. Ugh. Yeah. Yes. Two jobs for two growing men that are now of job age. The police. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um I think we're gonna call it there though. Um, you know, if you're watching this, please uh please subscribe on uh, YouTube movie night extravaganza. If you're watching this on, uh, you know, if you're watching this on movie night extravaganza channel, of course, and you're already subscribed, please subscribe to the this is revolution podcast, uh, you know, YouTube channel. We are going to go over to, um, the, uh, after party anniversary party in about 15 minutes. Um, you know, thanks so much for celebrating one year of movie night extravaganza with us. Uh, we're going to try to get into more conversations about the cloud garage, but we have like 10 different guests that are joining us in the after party. So you're not going to want to miss that. Um, yeah. Good night.